Goldthorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Nancy Cavanici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen anyone get a over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt, sprinting ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record. 9.68, the wind is okay. How easy was that? It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you again today for another athlete interview episode. Two-time Australian Olympic high jumper Eleanor Patterson. Very exciting chat, this one. Everyone remembers, of course, the epic high jump event during the Tokyo Olympics. Of course, Nicola McDermott winning the silver. Eleanor finished fifth in that final. An incredible event to watch. And Eleanor gives a great insight into her amazing career. Tells a story about how a simple sleepover at a friend's house set her on a career path in the sport of high jump. Also, the challenges of growing up in rural Victoria and how the conditions really helped spur her on to future success and also achieving that success at a very young age. She almost could have made the London Olympics at the mere age of 16, believe it or not. And at the age of right now only 25, she's a two-time Olympian with goals going forwards even further all the way up to 2032. So this is a great chat, very insightful, and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Here is our chat with two-time Australian Olympic high jumper Eleanor Patterson. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome our next guest here to Off the Podium. Two-time Olympian, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, World Youth Championships gold medalist, and our return to the sport of high jump for the first time in some time. We haven't had a high jump athlete on, uh, I think, before since before Tokyo. So I'm excited to be able to return to a sport which I'm extremely, extremely fascinated by. It's a pleasure to welcome Eleanor Patterson to the show. Eleanor, first of all, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's it's exciting. I, I love the sport of high jump because I failed miserably at every sport in my life, uh, including athletics. And I remember trying the high jump in high school thinking, ah, this is easy. This looks this looks simple. But it, it really isn't. And it's sort of one of these sports <laughs> where I kind of look at and go, wow, people who, who can do this at the level that you're doing at are, are absolutely incredible. I mean, is, is this something that when you first started it that you could have ever imagined that you would be a, a two-time Olympian in, in the sport of high jump? In the scheme of things, no, I guess, yeah. It's a, it's a very strange sport. I'm, I have no – I'm not denying that. And, um, yeah, I do I do admit, though, when I did first um, try Little Ass, and had the, on the first day of Little Ass I'd had high jump and um, – as soon as I did the high jump, I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I think I broke the, the record in the club, which I think at the time was like maybe a metre and three centimetres. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, I want, to go, I want to go to the Olympics with this. And so, you know, being, I think, eight or nine years old and being um, young and naive and just thinking that I want to get to the highest level of this, um, I had hopes and I had dreams, but um, I didn't know what it actually meant and, um Somehow I managed to hang on to that idea for many, many years. And so here I am, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. Now, is it is it true that you only went to Little Athletics because you slept over at a friend's house and basically accompanied, accompanied her the next day? I mean, if that's true, that's that's yeah. pretty incredible that it wasn't even sort of it was just, hey, I'll, I'll come along with you and boom, here you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. One of my friends from primary school, she, she always loved running and Little Athletics and so we had a sleepover and we just went to Little Athletics the next day and, yeah, here I am. Rest Funny is how history. I kind of fell, yeah, fell into it, um, but I uh, yeah, loved it from the first moment. I guess. <laughs> did did she go on to like continue on sort of little athletics, or uh, you know, did she kind of not kind of stick with it the the same level that you did? Um, she did, yeah, she did athletics, but um, didn't quite stick with it throughout till now. Um, but now she has a incredible work life in um, nursing, and um, we know how much we are appreciative of the nurses in this day and age um and For so sure. yeah um but yeah i guess yeah not many people i guess are crazy enough to continue with jumping over a bar or running around and <laughs> calling it trying to call it work <laughs> keep, keep doing that i can imagine though that, that does she often have to remind you like hey like you, you wouldn't even be doing this if it wasn't for me you're welcome you know <laughs> like, yeah. you're welcome that night you came and stayed over and came with me the next day you're completely yeah, exactly. welcome eleanor <laughs> yeah no no she's too loving and caring to be like you know this is because of me <laughs> um, but no no i'll have to tell her that it's time to be like this is yeah, this is because of you, Rach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So sort of you mentioned kind of trying out the the high jump. I mean, what sort of were some of the other events that you kind of, when, when you go there and you kind of, you, you're falling in love with the sport, you know, where you mm-hmm. try much of the track stuff, were there sort of some other field events that you were giving a go as well? Yeah, yeah. So like doing little laughs, you're, you're made to do every event and I loved that. I loved getting a taste of everything. But when it came down to it, um, and say, for example, you'd go to – a regionals competition and you got to enter into four events of your choice. And so I would always pick anything with a jump in it. So high jump, long jump, triple jump and hurdles. So anything that had something a little bit springy to it. And so, yeah, I think from an early age, I just, I was very energetic and I liked to, to jump and run around. And I guess I was a child who was full of beans. So <laughs> Jumping was certainly my forte. <laughs> kind of fit fit very well. We we also sort of sporty in other. You know, did you do any other sports outside of uh, athletics? I'm seeing maybe gymnastics here or something going on secretly. Just kind of you know with all the jumping or basketball yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, I did try a lot of sports growing up, um, but always mostly briefly. Maybe like, I mean, I did a fair bit of swimming. Um, yeah, I did a little bit of gymnastics, but not much in the scheme of things of. I always did netball um, and athletics. They were my two that I um, yeah, did most of and fell in love with the most. And so it wasn't until I was 14 that I had to decide between which sport to do. And so because um, I was doing the summer in athletics and the winter in netball. And so it was when I was 14 that I started to get a lot of injuries because I was just doing too, doing too much. And so um yeah, here I am. I chose athletics. <laughs> um, I still have such a, a great love for netball. Um, I love watching it. I know that if I played right now, um, I'd have to strap my ankles and knees and every part of my body a hell of a lot. <laughs> just working on a concrete surface or, you know, floorboards is just not my not my kind of vibe. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, athletics is where it was at for me and 
Yeah. <laughs> was some of that down to Olympic aspirations? Obviously, netball isn't an Olympic sport, so kind of, you know, you could go to the pinnacle of the Olympic Games, whereas maybe it's obviously only like a Commonwealth Games or a World Championship if you had have pursued netball. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, I could see that athletics could go to the Olympics. And as I said, from a young age, I had this, um, yeah, this dream and this goal to go to the Olympics. And I just, I thought it was such a wonderful event and so, so fantastical that um, I had a, a an obsession young, <laughs> quite young. And then um, I could also see some form of a pathway for my athletics. Um, and so I could see that um, at the time I had a coach that um, wanted to take me to that level. And so, um, yeah, and I worked with that coach for a few years, that's for sure, um, and went to the 2016 Olympics. But um, it hasn't been until the last two years that I've worked with Alex Stewart, uh, my current coach, and um, he has, yeah, got me to this point and returning to this point the thing that I, I love sort of reading about your journey too is sort of being from where you grew up in sort of regional Victoria is that you, you spent a lot of your time training on on grass tracks and sort of not the the, the real synthetic surfaces that obviously you you are competing at say an Olympic Games and that does it that kind of help you on the journey given that you've kind of got to get used to something a little bit different and, and I mean is it sort of still a preference maybe that if you can sort of run on the grass you'd maybe prefer that a little bit more than sort of some of the synthetic tracks yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I definitely did just do the majority of my training growing up in a garage gym and on grass tracks. And so um, as far as the surface goes, I feel like I'm in a way prepared for anything. I'm not so picky about an athletics track in a way. Um, but I think the, um, the bigger point that I can take away from the environment and the, the things that I grew up with is, you know, because um, I grew up in country Victoria and um, it was quite cold and rainy a lot of the time of the years and so the year sorry and um, I felt like I was prepped and ready for anything we had I would train in any conditions whether it was you know it was a bit of lightning <laughs> it was raining it was windy windy and everything so I um, yeah and now when I go to competitions I know that I have I've trained and dealt with every situation whether that's a different surface or different weather conditions i'm like okay it'll be fine i feel like um i can take confidence in 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 that having different environment and things like that growing up so yeah it's very good in my opinion what's it like then when you get to the age of 13 and you start winning national titles already in the sport. I mean, that must be a pretty, you know, incredible uh, feeling at, at such a young age to, to be able to to do that. And is it something that in your wildest dreams on that very first day, you know, when you're eight at Little Ass at five years later, here you are a, a national champion already in the sport beating people. I can imagine, you know, more than twice your age. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty amazing, that's for sure. Um, I'm definitely someone who, especially at that age, I was very quiet and um, I had internally this kind of um, compass that was just towards bettering myself. And so I always just kind of took it in my stride and um, was not showy about it at all or anything, but I was just like, oh, okay, I've done that now. I want to jump this height. Okay, I've done that now. I just really want to jump this height. <laughs> and so this internal compass towards just yeah constantly challenging myself and bettering myself and it's like no I can I know I can do higher so <laughs> um 
Because it's that mental aspect I can imagine of high jump, isn't it, where it's, you know, you're training to constantly increase that height to, to clear a bar and kind of go higher and go higher and it's sort of it's all the physical training you can do there's that mental aspect where as you're saying you know you can do it it's just a matter of getting to that point where you can do it yes exactly yeah you, well i guess it is a an event where you literally have a, an obstacle in front of you and you have to mentally and physically overcome that and so um and believe that you can do that and higher and so yeah i think a lot of it bubbles down to your confidence within yourself and in your abilities. And it is an event where you are doing the same run up again and again and again and trying to nail the jump every time. And so it, I guess it has that um, element of repeatability. And so having faith in your ability to, I guess, do the exact same movements over and over again and um, slowly clear higher as you go. It's such a strange, strange sport. I give it... I give it that. So. It's, it is, I mean, I often look at so many of the field events and it, it is sometimes a case of why do you do it? Like it's, it's kind of like it's just sort of, you know, I look at so many of these sports. I mean, pole vault, for example. I mean, it's like like who who thinks about just running with a giant pole to flip themselves over that to, to land on a mat? But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's so some of the most entertaining <laughs> sports still, though, to watch. Like when, when you're watching, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll obviously get to Tokyo, but I think every Australian was hooked to watching you and Nicola in that final and just the excitement that it, that it brings. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so tense and nerve wracking that you just, you glue to it, aren't you? Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Even, I mean, um, the men's high jump, it's, yeah, yeah. it's quite different to the women's in that obviously they have quite a different level of strength and power and the way they move and things like this. And so I, I look at the men's high jump as if I'm looking as, any other person just looking onto high jump and I'm just like, this is just crazy. How do you do this? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, I'm often watching the men's and, or even the women's as well. It's like, ah, sure, you can't jump that. Like, you're just running along and then boom, all of a sudden people are over. You're like, what? How does this yeah. work? So even myself, I'm, I know, I know with it internally and, you know, visually, I'm quite a visual learner. I know um, the visualization and the movement and exactly each step. Um, but, Still, when I think about and kind of actually look back at the video, I was like, oh, whoa, that's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's everything with the technique too because it's even kind of like when you watch the history of the sport and kind of, you know, when it, how it started to how sort of you're, you're going over the bar now. I mean, it's just it's, it's crazy to think that if you were doing this 50, 60 years ago, you're doing it in a completely I – mean, it's one of these unique sports where legitimately it is yeah. so different throughout history, isn't it? Yeah, it's phenomenal, hey. It's very phenomenal, the, the rich history it has and the development over the years. Even I look at the, the images of people doing either the scissor kick or the western roll where they would end up landing in um, sand, essentially, mm. and that just freaks me out not having anything to land on. Obviously, <laughs> yes, they're landing on their feet, but still, I'd be likely to just like, land on my feet and then fall straight on my face. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is not good, uh, I can imagine. No, sort of, indeed. Uh, when it, when it comes very- to that. If you- Doing long jump or something maybe, but, you know, other way around for sort of that. Yeah. With with sort of that early success at such a young age and you're winning national championships at the age of 13, was was London ever on the radar? Was that was that a possibility or was it kind of a not on the radar because of your age or, or something else? Yeah, I, I I mean, again, being young and naive, I had hopes. Um, but obviously I had a, a big um, bridge to gap, that's for sure. And so... Yeah, the way Olympics works for us is that qualifying for the Olympics, it's um, 
not age-based, but I guess, you know, you do have to jump certain heights. And so I think when I was, when I was 14, I was jumping 182, which is pretty, pretty big for that age. But to qualify, say, for this Olympics, um, we had to jump 196. And wow. so I guess I had, I had a fair bit to, to bridge that gap. Um, and I think by the age of 16, I jumped maybe 187. And so I'd gotten halfway there, but um, I mean, I would have been 16 um, for London. And so I um, just wasn't jumping high enough in the scheme of things. And so, yeah, I was um, qualifying for world juniors and, and world youths um, years before I was allowed to do it. But um, that, that is age-based. And I was too young often when I was 14 and 15 and 16 to go to these competitions. And so, yeah, it wasn't until I was 17 that I was able to do my first international competition. Which you won, uh, which isn't a bad way to start, is it not? Uh, the World Youth <laughs> Championships yes, to go straight yeah. there and win a gold medal. I mean, kind of what was that experience like going out there to represent your country and first international competition come home with a gold medal? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I went in number one and I was yeah, obviously over the moon that I, I managed to win the competition. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal experience. Um, yeah, I have certainly fond memories of that first taste of, you know, other athletes from many countries and many different walks of life. And so now having been on, um, I guess, a, quite a number of teams and, you know, I can't ever help but, I can't ever take for granted the fact that, um, yeah, that's where it all started. And, you know, that even now when, I, when I'm competing at the Olympics or at Diamond League competitions and I see these girls, you know, each competition, um, yeah, it's phenomenal to, to be in that position. I feel very fortunate to, to be able to travel and, you know, compete against such phenomenal athletes. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, Donetsk, Ukraine was where my first um, world youth was. And it was, um, yeah, a phenomenal experience, that's for sure. I think um, we had a few people who became world, champion, world youth champions, even my roommate, um, who ended up going to the Olympics this year um, with me. She was in the javelin and she won and was rooming with me and back in the day in 2013 at the um, World Youths and so we both managed to make it to Tokyo this year and so even a lot of the athletes that were on that youth, that um, World Youth team were at the Olympics this year with me and so it's phenomenal right. to kind of go through this process with um, incredible people but obviously incredible athletes and that we've all stuck with it and um, yeah, crazy enough to believe in ourselves and you know, chase after this dream. <laughs> which, which must be then you get that success and then a year later you go to the Commonwealth Games and obviously win the gold in, in Glasgow, which I believe you, you chose over going to defend your title at the World uh, Youth Championships. I mean, sort of what brought about that decision and kind of is that often a thing that sometimes in athletics you, you kind of have to weigh up sort of I'm going to go to a World Champs versus a Commonwealth Games and kind of weigh up what is maybe more prominent or sort of more realistic which will help you sort of with your, your form? Yeah, yeah. So I I chose the the Commonwealth Games over World Juniors because, um, I mean, I was eighteen and I felt that I was ready to compete against the Open Age. Um, obviously, yes, it's Commonwealth, so it's not it's not um, every country and things like that. Um, 
and Commonwealth can be of a high standard, but you know, as it is, um, the Europeans is where a lot of our depth and high jump is typically. Um, however, yeah, I, I was ready to, to compete internationally in an open aged event. And so that was why I chose Commonwealth Games over World Juniors. Um, I felt like I wanted to, yeah, get a taste of what it was like um, before the coming years or the, the years following that was, um, yeah, World Champs and Olympics. I wanted to kind of get some experience under my belt. Which I think for Australian athletes, you know, growing up watching things like the Commonwealth Games and that, you sort of always hold it, I think, to a high standard anyway, don't you? Because it's sort of behind an Olympics or behind a World Championships, it's probably up there as sort of the next one. And I, and I can imagine that, say, had you not gone to those Commonwealth Games and, and maybe focus on, on sort of Gold Coast, which ultimately obviously, you know, didn't go to, but it it sort of is something that you'd probably want to have on your bucket list, right? Like hypothetically, you'd never been to a Commonwealth Games now. You would be looking ahead to Birmingham and say, hey, look, I've been to two Olympics. Let's tick Commonwealth yeah. Games off to try and include it on the bucket list. Yes, yes. No, certainly Commonwealth Games, especially for Australians, um, it had such a special um, history and a special place in our heart. And I know for myself it does. Um, um, yeah, and when I say it's it's to a slightly different standards, just because I mean, given that, say, this year the top six um, at Tokyo were um, two Ukrainians, one Russian, and two Australians, and um, top five. And so it does often tend to be, you know, the, the big names in the sport are Ukrainian and Russian and things like this. And, and so, um, but that's not to say that there are phenomenal athletes in the Commonwealth, given that, I mean, I'll be competing against Nicola and she, as we do know, um, is a phenomenal athlete. And so, and there's the, um, the British and a few others that, um, yeah, are very high standard performers and jumpers. And so, um, yeah, and I think it just has such a phenomenal place in um, Australians' hearts, that's for sure. I, um, I know that I, I, I loved my experience um, at the 2014 Commonwealth Games. I'm not going to lie, I did really, really enjoy meeting some of the netballers and being able to see some of those <laughs> girls and, again, big fan of netball. <laughs> but, yeah, and obviously yes, athletics. And so, um, sadly, I missed out on the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Um, but that would have been a phenomenal experience given it's a home crowd and that's just a, a, like, and a big crowd. Um, it's a little bit of a foreign experience for Australian athletics. Um, we get some crowd, but nothing in comparison to what that would have been and also what is the crowd um, and, you know, um, situation with fans and things like this in Europe. And so, yeah, it definitely holds a, a special place. Well, you've got 11 years to kind of just stay on form to Brisbane 2032 to, to yes, experience exactly. that, right? So, you Oh, know. yes. <laughs> it's which, very which tempting. It, I, which, I was going to say, my... is it seriously something you could strive towards? Like is that something that realistically for, say, a high jumper that you can still be jumping at that age? Yes, yes. Yeah, it definitely can be. Um, and when it was announced, I was like, well, okay, that's that's me done. <laughs> I um, My plan is set. <laughs> I mean, I know that um, life does throw different things in, in your path, but... Um, I would absolutely love to to go to the 2032 Olympics again. Yeah, that home crowd experience. And um, we know how Australians get behind sport and uh, it'd be phenomenal. And so even just having an Olympics is something to 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 finish on. And so I think that would be my, my fifth Olympics. And so yeah. I wouldn't be mad about that at all. Well, I mean, we, uh, had, we had Matt Denny on recently 
and he said mm-hmm. he set a goal of five Olympics, and it just so happens that that fifth Olympics yeah. will be Brisbane. So I mean, kind of, yes. it's you know, it's kind of like you you got this whole team going there with the athletics uh, crew that yeah, they kind of maybe exactly. just all get behind it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same age as Matt actually, and he was one of the the guys who went to the World Youth with me, and so was at has been at the um the Olympics with me and being and things like this, and so it's pretty cool, uh, pretty cool to see. And so, yeah, I'm similar boat. I would love to be able to, to do 2032 Olympics and um, finish there. And, and historically, um, people can do high jump to, um, I mean, I'll be 36 at the time and you can do that. Um, say, for example, in, in Rio 2016, the winner, she was 37, I believe, wow. at the time. Okay. And so, um, and had retired, I think, twice, but came back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and so you yeah. can give it up for a couple of years, come back again. Like you know, you've got a few years yeah, to do some things. Yeah, yeah, I've already, I've already quit. I've already quit the sport once, so <laughs> I've got room for another one. Exactly. You know, but no, just keep yeah. coming back. You know, why not? Exactly. John Farnham of yeah. high jump, just you yes, know, exactly. <laughs> always retire and, and and come back. Before mm-hmm. your first Olympics in in Rio, the World Champs in in 2015, you create a bit of history. Became the first Australian female in 24 years to make final of a world championship she finished eighth uh, i mean kind of is that something that you know after the success you had the world youth the commonwealth games you've got this top eight finish kind of leading into your debut olympics i mean i can imagine that kind of gives you a bit of a you know a bit, a bit of momentum kind of going into what would ultimately be your first uh, olympic campaign yeah yeah and especially i think that 2016 I, I didn't jump as high as i would have liked to place eighth but um i knew there was certainly more within me um and so yeah i definitely um, I, I definitely put pressure on myself, but I was also probably putting or feeling a lot of pressure coming into 2016. I evidently didn't handle it. I just don't think I was a solid enough jumper. Um, there was a few things that I wanted to change in life, but I wasn't prepped and ready to. And so, yeah, unfortunately, I, I didn't I didn't do well at 2016 Olympics at all. Um, I think I placed 22nd and um, didn't make it out of the the qualifying and so um it's huge lessons learned though um yeah i was only 20 at the time and i I, yeah i was very young and naive and so um yeah it was an experience that i definitely tucked under my belt and um it took me a long while to kind of process it all i'm not gonna lie it was you know it's yeah again like i'd been ticking all these boxes leading into it and then to to completely um flip that around and i mean I know it's, you know, often your own self-talk, but, you know, I didn't feel like I performed, but, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, it took me quite a, quite a few years and um, finally deciding I needed to change a few things that I, you know, found my love and appreciation and confidence um, within myself, but also for the sport. And so, yeah, that, that was definitely one of the moments in life where I'm like, okay, um, just yeah, you have to take that under your belt and yeah, <laughs> an experience and a half. That's for sure. Um, it's never it's never easy to kind of compete on the on the big stage, and so I really came to appreciate those athletes that have performed and performed incredibly. And um, yeah, yeah, it's a, such a crazy world and experience at that um, at, in Olympic Games. Do you at least take those opportunities then throughout what you're saying to, I guess, really soak up what it means to be 
an Olympian. You mentioned before about that desire to go to an Olympic Games. I mean, you know, everything we like hearing about from the athletes, you know, things from the village, you know, if you get to do the opening ceremony, kind of just rubbing shoulders with the best athletes in the world. And obviously for Rio, you probably got to do a little bit more of that than you did in Tokyo. So it's kind of, uh, you know, do you sort of soak up those those moments or was it more of a Tokyo thing that you kind of took note of it more the yeah. second time around? Yeah, well, I guess um, so in Rio, I was only in the, allowed to be in the village, I think, for like five days because it all, you know, I was late in the program and you got to kind of, it's all based on like freeing up beds and say, and what's available in the um, Oz HQ. And so I actually ended up being in the village in Tokyo for two weeks. And so I felt like I got a lot more of a taste of an Olympic village, even though, yes, there was some peculiarities about it in um, that, you know, wearing masks all the time, which I'm, I'm very used to now. That's no issues. I think we but, all are, yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. And so, and even like, you know, the food hall was such a, yeah, very very strange experience, but um, yeah, phenomenal at the same time. You know, we were just, you know, wearing gloves and um, there was the kind of cubicles and like, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, like a fiberglass, no, something like a plastic and dividers between everyone. And so you would sit there and be able to see each other, but you couldn't hear anyone. Um, and so wow. it was just quite entertaining to kind of try, you know, everyone loves to kind of sit around a table and eat and, and talk away, but no one could talk really. So everyone would just be like <laughs> looking at each other eating. So it was quite entertaining sometimes. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, um, yeah, it was a, especially given, yeah, there was the COVID element, but um, an Olympic village um, and I guess the hustle and bustle that's involved in the Olympics is such a such an otherworldly thing in a way that, um, I mean, I was there for two weeks and I got well adjusted to it and life there, even as far as like the transport around the village and going to training and just jumping on a bus and, um, yeah, all the protocols of like daily testing, yes, the COVID and um, things like this, it's such a strange thing to to be taking in your stride and seeing as normal everyday life. But I knew that every day I was like, this is very cool. <laughs> this is very, I'm very lucky to be in this situation. Obviously, even given the, the pandemic, it was just pretty crazy to be, you know, in that Happening. situation. Um, yeah. yeah, and having it go forth. And that's the thing as well, given that it had been, um, you know, postponed the year before. And, you know, it, already there's a four-year build-up of excitement and um, anticipation for an Olympics, but to have that extra year filled with angst about will it go forward, you know, every conversation I'd have with people is do you think it will, do you think it won't, what will happen if it doesn't, and even, you know, in the first place, you know, processing that it had been postponed. Like, obviously, it's not the end of the world in, in no scheme of the thing of, um, of the world indeed, but it's... Um, you know, it's what we tend, as athletes, especially in athletics, we tend to walk towards. And so, um, yeah, it really created this special moment of, wow, there's been a big, big build-up to this. And so it really felt extra special to be there and be like, this is actually happening. What? Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously, yes, as we see in the world um, and, yeah, in Australia, there's still COVID present. And so it felt um, very strange that, yeah, we were, we were there and we were getting amongst them. We were, we were competing and training and, yeah, getting ready to compete on, at the Olympic stage, which was phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity, that's for sure. And did that uh, yeah. sort of delay end up helping you more so given that, as you sort of alluded to before, you had 
given away the sport, sort of 2018, sort of only came back to it in late 2019. I mean, how do you think things would have panned out differently had they gone as, as scheduled? Would you have you been jumping as well as you were? Different sort of, you know, how do you look back on that period? Yeah, truth be told, it's really hard to say because, I mean, um, I had uh, probably four competitions, I think it was, in early 2020 before everything changed. <laughs> so, yeah, in January and February I competed and I I got my Olympic qualifiers then. I was jumping 196. I got a PB and I jumped 199. Um, and that was National a, record, if I'm P- not mistaken. Yeah, at that time, yeah, it was, yeah. And so, and um, yeah, I was... I, I, that was my first PB in seven years. And so I felt like I was really prepped and ready. And um, I would have thought that it was only a matter of time before I jumped two metres. Um, um, but, yeah, of course, there was the pandemic that hit and changed. And um, myself and you know, the, the crew that I trained with and my coach, we decided to continue training. And then um, as it worked out, I don't know whether this was just my timing or whether it was because of um, different changes in surface, but I ended up getting a stress fracture in my right foot. And so um, that was, you know, I think like 12 weeks in, on, in a boot, at least six, of, six to eight of those were in, on crutches as well as the boot. And so that took a long process to, to rehab and um, to be able to run again. Um, so that was a lot of my 2020, which was just, hobbling around um and so in in that instance I was when it would have come around to Tokyo um had it gone ahead when it was meant to I would have been not able to compete given my wow. fracture in my foot and so I mean and that could have been because of the change in surface because but um, because we had to train not at the track or but that could have also yeah as I said could have been my time and it could have prevented me from competing and that would have been heartbreaking and I've seen many people um, miss Olympic games and big events because of injuries. And I, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking, no doubt. Um, and then, yeah, I did end up getting another fracture in my foot on the other leg. Wow. <laughs> um, um, that was in February of this year. So yeah, February um, until probably April, I was on and off being able to try and run, you know, trying to rehab it. Um, it was a stress hotspot um, in a very awkward spot. And so it was, really hard to kind of know when it was okay um and so uh, yeah i've hardly over the last 18 months to yeah to be here i, I didn't really high jump a huge amount <laughs> and so i kind of decided to yeah i missed all the domestic season um in the start of 2021 um with all these injuries um and so yeah, somehow, somehow I managed to piece together something to get to Tokyo, which was, I'm very thankful that um, we were able to, you know, head overseas to Europe and I, um, I started competing in June. Um, I knew that to go to Europe is what I needed to kind of throw myself in the deep end and really challenge myself at these competitions. And um, apart from Olympic Games, you know, going on the European tour is where our um, competition is as far as you know there's the fans there's a bit more money to be made and also there's just a high high level of competition um and that, that's what I needed the high level of competition to really push me and so yeah I really threw myself in the deep end of not much high jumping under my belt um, I was fit I was strong but 
yeah, as I said earlier, I think um, high jumping is such a funny sport of repeatability and I had yeah. no repeatability under me. And so, <laughs> Maybe um, that's a secret. Maybe you need to stop doing the repeatability and then that helps you yeah, out in the long term. If it's at the yeah, Olympics, exactly. why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, I think um, this Olympics was even more special because, I mean, two to three months earlier, I didn't think I'd be there. I didn't think I'd be physically ready. I didn't know when my foot would be right and things like this. And so, yeah, it was, um, I guess... Um, it, it worked in my favour favor in a way that it had been delayed in the year given all the injuries that I was experiencing. But, um, yeah, yeah, it definitely it gave me time to co- overcome all those things. <laughs> yeah. And during that period when you had given away the sport, I mean, what did you do? Mm. Were you contemplating something else? Like were you contemplating something else athletically, going back to netball, something like that? Or were you sort of pursuing sort of academic career? Like mm. kind of what was it? And then what got you back into the sport? Yeah. So, um, yeah, after I didn't make the team um, in 2018, um, along with that and a few other things, I, I stepped away from the sport. Um, I wasn't working with my previous coach. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do. And so... Um, I just tried to kind of, I guess, find myself in a way. And so, I mean, obviously I, I couldn't just sit idly by and just ponder things. I had to, I had to get working, um, to kind of make my way and, and, um, pay my way in life as well. And so I, um, I was working in a, in a primary school as an education support officer. So a, um, teacher's aide, um, and I loved, I loved that work. I loved that job. Um, it was a phenomenal school and it was, you know, in, a, in, in my hometown, well, a neighbouring town, so in the home community, um, and it was pretty much the same primary school. So it's like a sister school to the primary school I went to. And so a lot of these kids were going through this childhood that's like, this is pretty much my childhood. This is so beautiful to watch. And I'm there as an adult helping everyone out and um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that work. And so I would help a lot of different children with, um, you know, different needs and things like that. And so I loved it, but um, I knew I, I wasn't quite finished with athletics. And so I, um, it wasn't until um, 2019, like, um, April or something like this, that I got in contact and went up to Sydney to start working with Alex. Um, I always knew that, much the only coach that I would want to work with in Australia or you know I felt that was someone I could work with and kind of excited me to work alongside was Alex and um, obviously at that time he he still um, is working with um, Brandon Stark and so Mm -hmm. that obviously you know seeing that there's a um, a high standard of you know the environment the sporting environment also training and you know the um results that he's been able to produce and so yeah I I went up to Sydney I was like you know I'm someone who overthinks things and I was filled with fear and I was like no I won't like it no like this is just too scary it's too much of a change all these things going through my mind and then as soon as I I went up there for I think a weekend tonight I was like you know I'll just give it a go I've already said that I will I'll give it a go and so came into training and um, joined in with training and um, I loved it I loved it and I was like yep this is me this is where I'm going and so I think um, starting afresh like that in a new city um, 
yeah, with a new coach with completely different um, methodology and even him as a person to what I'd ever experienced as a in within a coaching environment. Um, I, yeah, it was just um, such a phenomenal way to kind of uh, refresh my mind uh, in regards to athletics. I had a truth be told, a, a bit of taste in my mouth about athletics. I just I had kind of um, not enjoyed my last few years of athletics before um, rejoining, I guess, with Alex. And so, yeah, those those years of, you know, things going on that I felt, I, yeah, I wasn't happy with the way I was operating with my previous coach. And I also just was not processing well still, you know, not making teams or the the level I was jumping at and um, I just, yeah, I was just struggling. And so, yeah, that's why I stepped away and I couldn't, I couldn't continue the way I was. And so it wasn't until, yeah, I moved to Sydney, complete life change up and, um, yeah, it really kind of changed a lot of things, you know. Sometimes you need that, don't you? It's just like a control alt delete, almost like a reboot, and then oh, all really of a sudden, yeah. there you go. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. So I call Indeed. up tech support. Yeah. Have you tried control alt delete? Boom. Done. Reset. You're back on track. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And so, yeah, yeah. And I was like, every day, still to this day, I'm still learning every day, and because um, it's completely different, as I said. And so, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Um, I am, as I said, someone who has this internal compass to constantly challenge myself. And so especially um, training alongside men who are of a very high standard, there's Brandon, there's um, the Italian Marco, and, um, you know, often there's um, a few of the athletes too that do more of the horizontal jumps. So, um, you know, there's some triple jumpers and long jumpers and sprinters and things like this that that I train alongside. And um, one, they're just phenomenal people that I train alongside, but also two that, they're such high standards, especially um, I more so train with the the men, and so they would do things. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be able to do it too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to challenge myself. You're going to do it exactly <laughs> that way as yeah. well. Yeah, and so um, yeah, they they certainly pushed me, and Alex certainly pushed me, and um, yeah, it was um, a ph- phenomenal way to just kind of throw myself in the deep end and just. Um, yeah, really go after it. And so, yeah, when I first started with Alex, I was like, you know, maybe I might be able to get okay-ish to be able to maybe see if I could go to the Olympics. I'm not sure. I didn't think at the same time. And um, But Alex, the first time I came pretty much, he's like, we're going to go to the Olympics. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so he definitely right. reminded yep. <laughs> yeah, he definitely reminded me a few times afterwards. He's like, I told you so. I told you we'd make it to the Olympics. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> Let's make it to three more now. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Brisbane 2032 sounds, sounds yeah. really good. Do, do you yeah. have sort of with that training, whether it be through Alex or sort of the people you're mentioning training, Outside of the physical things, do you have like a, a mental activity that kind of helps you with your jumping? I mean, obviously, famously, we're, we're watching Nicola riding in a book and kind of all that sort of stuff, writing things like that, which I'm sure helps her in her own way. But do you have something that kind of helps you beat in a competition or, or the lead up to a competition for the mental side of things? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I do have a few kind of habits that I like to do that kind of switch me into gear and things like this. Um I I meditate um, and I 
also visualize my jumps and things like this. I'm, I'm very much of a visual learner and um, an operator. And so, yeah, I, I visualize being able to jump and clear these heights and handling any situation, whether it's on a, a third attempt clearance or, you know, um, you know, different environmental factors or um, someone trying to get in your way. Like you try and kind of visualize and, practice that anything could happen um, in any scenario that may happen and so um, I do that um, as more as my kind of mental game I guess and so um, yeah yeah it definitely is a, a big um, mental factor that comes into play of you know there's everyone there yeah is a phenomenal athlete and everyone's worked hard and everyone deserves to be there but it just bubbles down to, um, yeah, partially the, um, the technical model, but also, yeah, a big, big part of it is someone's belief in themselves. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big factor that I, 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 I work on a lot. So, do you, ever, do you ever talk to the bar? Do you ever be like, hey, like you, like this is you and me right now and I'm going to clear you. Like this, this is, <laughs> I've had enough with you, you know, fucking me around right now. This is going to happen. Yes. Like, I mean, is it kind of, is, is, yeah, do you get sort of pumped up and look at that thing and hate it when you want to clear it? Yes, yes, yes definitely. Actually, there's the, probably the only thing that I tend to say, especially if I'm on a third attempt to clear it or things like this or if I'm at training and I frustratingly can't clear a heart and I'm, the only thing that I've tended to say to myself is, or say to the bar, "You're my bitch, bar." <laughs> Something along, "I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear you." <laughs> You're my bitch. I like that. I'm never gonna watch high jump the same now. All of a sudden, it's like you're, you're my bitch, bar. You know like, what's this is going, it. Yeah. You know what's going through. Right? Now I know what Nicola's writing in that diary. Like, you're my oh, bitch, no, bar. No. You're my bitch, bar. Like, come on. No, no I, think, I think no. I think Nicola's maybe. Saying things a little bit nicer. <laughs> she's, um, she's an angel, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, that 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 works. You you could you could have like so much. You could have merchandise of that, Eleanor, like t-shirts, like high yeah, jump, like that. you know, like a, a YouTube channel, podcast. Welcome to You're My Bitch Bar. Uh, you know, like it's. <laughs> I'm seeing merchandise opportunities here. It's yeah, great. I'll have to get onto it. Yeah, I'll have to sign, sign you into the contract because you're the no, idea. I'll be your manager. I'll, I'll kind of help okay. out with the marketing side Wonderful. of things. You know, kind of sounds uh, we'll, good. Sounds good. We'll get that on the way up there. I mean, going going into Tokyo, did did you set yourself a goal? Was it realistically, I, I want to leave with a medal, make the final, kind of jump your best? Kind of what was sort of your your mentality going into what you wanted to achieve, leaving your second Olympics? Yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. I guess I had like. Um, different steps in my goal I definitely definitely wanted to make the final um given that I hadn't made it the last time I was like I, I know I'm a much better athlete and um in a far better condition to be jumping that and making it into the final so I got that done <laughs> um and then I really wanted to jump a season's best or hopefully a pb um so the, for the for the last uh so I did probably five oh no I did play five or six competitions leading into Tokyo. And I think um, the last three leading to Tokyo, I jumped 196 every time. And I have jumped so 196 so many times, which fantastic height. It's good. I'm not um, not knocking that, that's for sure. But I just kept on jumping 96 and just missing the next height. 
And so again, I did that at the Olympics, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, my, one of my goals, unfortunately, I didn't quite meet, was to jump the season's best or hopefully a PB. And so I again just missed my one ninety, my one ninety eight attempts. So I'm very close, um, but nonetheless, um, in the scheme of things, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I really wanted to jump. I just really wanted to jump big, and whatever came with that, um, whether that was on the podium and things like that, I, I would have been absolutely thrilled with. And so, again, I jumped that at 96. And so, I guess, um, I mean, I can't help but be pretty proud of myself. I reckon fifth at an Olympics and, is, is um, pretty darn good as well. <laughs> like, that's yeah, like exactly. no mean feat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And exactly. And as I said earlier with the, uh, you know, um, with I didn't come in with a huge amount of training as far as high jump. And so I felt like I didn't have repeatability, but then I kind of really proved to myself that I do have repeatability is that I jump my 96 all the day time. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. You've seen those three numbers together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Was well, the year you were born like, though, 96? <laughs> is it kind of like yeah, sort of like poignant exactly. in some weird way? <laughs> it is, it is. must be, it must be. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I can't knock it at all. Um, I'm pretty proud of myself. And so, yeah, I did. I didn't go in thinking I didn't have repeatability, and then that's exactly what I proved over the season that I do have some form of repeatability, which is um, which is something that's very important as a high jumper, I believe. The thing I think I found about all the field events in Tokyo from an Australian perspective, I don't really know if there had been that much excitement since Sydney. I mean, you know, you would have been, what, four in Sydney, so I don't know if you would remember it, but, I mean, many Australians no, would remember, no. <laughs> you know, Tatiana Gregorieva, you know, Jai Tarima, kind of the excitement around the field events that came from Sydney. And I really can't remember in the, the subsequent games excitement because, you know, it, it all yeah. started, obviously we mentioned Matt, like Brandon as well, finishing fifth. We had, you know, what's happening yeah. in the Javelin and then ultimately what happened yeah. with you and Nicola. I mean, it was just, it was so exciting from an Australian perspective to watch the field. And what I've spoken to with all our athletics guests is I just, I love that kind of pride that everyone in the team holds that while the swimmers, you know, they did fantastically, but generally if they walk away with two gold, it's kind of, oh, it's a bit disappointing they only got two gold, whereas with the athletics team, you're <laughs> getting forced, you're getting fists, and that, that's almost as good as winning golds. It's kind of that sense of pride. I mean, what was it mm. like when you got to your final and kind of the results that were coming from the Australian team and sort of that just sense of pride that the team must have had around the entire yeah. competition? Yeah, it was so phenomenal, that's for sure, because, yeah, I was very late in the program, and so I was biding my time nicely and um, watching everyone and just cheering on the the, um, the team. Um, I did go just once to go watch Brandon um, compete, and then um, but even just sitting back at the at the village and watching on TV and seeing how everyone, whether they were with athletics or not, just getting behind the athletics and just absolutely, yeah, loving every every minute of it and. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit biased as far as the field events go, but of course, <laughs> um, it's always been pretty strong. But I feel like this year it had, you know, a, just a touch more depth in that. Say, for example, there was two high jumpers in the final. There was we've never had. I don't think we ever have had three. No, um, it was it was people in the javelin final. Yeah. yeah, and things like this that is just phenomenal. And so, yeah, it really does that kind of. Yeah, I have no doubt. It was phenomenal to watch for me um, as well. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool, pretty epic. And because obviously, yes, we we are all people, um, just personally, but even I think obviously as Australians, is that we do have a kind of a healthy rivalry, but at the same time, such respect for each other. And so, even between Nuka and I, like 
I think she's a phenomenal person and athlete. Um, obviously, when we go out there, we're just like, oh, yeah, we'll just give it a crack and um, we're there for each other, but at the same time, we are competitors. And so, um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Like, it's pretty epic to see, um, yeah, people in the green and gold in so many events. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. And yeah. even just sitting back each night, um, whether that was, you know, field or track that, there was just like you know people in the green and gold. There was just athletes from Australia, and each and every event, pretty much, it was just it was every night was stacked. It was like, oh, who's on this night? It's like, oh my god, there's just countless number of people in each night, and you know, moving on to finals and things like this. And so, yeah, it was epic to watch. It was just I don't. I mean, even going back to what I was saying about sort of sitting with the field events, just athletes in general, because I mean, generally sort of you go into an Olympics and there's one or two chances, you know, pick up a sneaky bronze here or there, a silver and that sort of stuff. But it's again, it's not even always about the results. I mean, you look at the decathlon, I mean, obviously we all remember Ash mm. kind of, you know, getting the bronze, but then it's yeah. all about Cedric and kind of what he did there yes, and sort of, you know, yes, just exactly. all the other performances, you know, Rowan's, you know, making the semis and just kind of things like mm-hmm. that. It's just, it's, that's what, that's what I always love about the Olympics. It's that, yeah. It's great to talk about the success. It's great to talk about the medals. Of course, that's fantastic. Yeah. But outside of that, like, I guarantee you we're going to remember Cedric's feats more so than some of our gold medalists from these games in, in 10 years' time, aren't we? 100%, yeah. Yeah, this is stories and sporting moments and moments of just humanity, I guess. It was just phenomenal to see, uh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, moments Which... like Cedric um, cheering him on was very special to watch and just... I can't help but goosebumps every time I think about Yeah, absolutely you know, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Which also too, like back to sort of what you're talking about with Nicola, like you've gone out there, you, you've put your all on, on the mat, you, you've come away with fifth in an Olympics, which again is, is phenomenal. And then to kind of have a, a rival but a teammate walk away with a, with a silver medal too. I mean, mm, the celebration's yeah. pretty good that night, kind of, you know, sort of uh, <laughs> fifth, and, fifth and second. I can imagine that, uh, you know, the, the high jump crew are pretty, uh, pretty out in the town that night. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 actually no, because um, like Nicola had to do it, or well, we all had to do drug testing. Um, I think top six would do drug testing. Um, and because I'd finished a little bit earlier, I was sitting out on the field and just chugging water <laughs> so I could get it over and done with quickly. But obviously, um, yeah, because you do end up quite dehydrated, especially in Tokyo, um, and being out there for two to three hours. And so I think Nicola was just, you know, sitting at the stadium for a few hours <laughs> trying to do a drug test. Um, and also, I mean, especially, yeah, no, we will just... Uh, it was more, yeah, not so wild <laughs> as um, people may think, but just, yeah, enjoying Quiet the moment. Quiet reflection. Yeah, you can kind of have those yeah. moments sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Celebrate yeah. doing the drug test straight away rather than being awkwardly stared at by somebody for a while <laughs> yes. with all that water in your Never system. Fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine. So kind of you take that performance now from Tokyo you know, you've obviously just competed again in, in the Diamond League sort of straight after, which I, I, I'm i so fascinated by the fact that kind of you don't get a break, you, you're just straight continuing on the competition. But sort of looking mm. ahead now, uh, obviously we've talked about sort of future Olympic endeavours, but do you look towards 2022? Do you focus on the world chance? Do you focus on kind of going back to the Com Games and trying to get that gold back that you got in Glasgow? I mean, kind of what is that sort of plan that you look forward towards now? Yeah, so next year's going to be a big one. Um at this point, we may as well have um, the world indoors in I think, March time. And so that is the first thing that may be on the cards. Um, but, yeah, as far as like majors at the end of the year, so world chance first. And that is 
um, the big one, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think five days, five five wait, five days to a week later, there's com games, and so we'll just it's roll so on. So close, to the next it's one. crazy. Like <laughs> it it's is. just it's, it's insane. Which yeah. I mean, as a as a high jumper, is it is it like some other sort of athletic events where you've kind of got to pick and choose to peak, or is it sort of so like I can just go and five days later I'll be right to go for another competition? Yeah, you should be fine. We should be fine. Uh, it isn't doesn't really help that you travel a lot um in, in amongst that it doesn't really make you as fresh as you could be but nonetheless we would have after world champs there's a lot of competitions in europe so we would have gone back to europe anyway um or the uk and so yeah it's just another competition um and it does obviously have a little bit more of a special meaning in a way because it is a commonwealth games um but yeah no we'll have um yeah, big year, big year. I'm really excited. I'm just like, yeah, I'm on holidays at the moment, but I know once I get back into training, I already am keen to um, just get working really in a way because I know that, um, yeah, I just really want to get a consistent year of training under my belt and so to really see what I can produce because, I mean, obviously I didn't have that to its fullest extent um, leading into Tokyo and so I know that, with a little bit more training um, and a little bit more, yeah, work into my into my legs that I can, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see what I can produce. And does it sure. make much of a difference that it's only three years to the next Olympics? Obviously, the calendar gets a little bit tighter, I I can imagine. But is it a is mm. it sort of positive negative? Like, I mean, you can build on the momentum a little bit more because it's actually closer than four years. Yeah, yeah, I think we can build on the momentum. I agree with that. Yeah, it's a um. Yeah, it's a quick turnaround, but it's exciting. It's exciting. Um, I feel like I've only just got started with my career again, and so I just want to go, 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 and um, the more comps, the better. Um, so, yeah, it'll be really exciting, and I, the next three years will tick by very quickly. And so, yeah, yeah, it will be quite jam-packed indeed. There's, yeah, as I said, even given next year, we have Com Games and World Champs in, in well, within a two-week bracket with the whole yeah entirety of it and so that's that's unheard of usually we just have one major a year and so um yeah it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing <laughs> which going back to that point about sort of going to it i mean it's just it's insane eleanor to think just how how young you are you could be a three-time olympian at 28 i mean that's just that's in, insane yeah. to think that i mean god i'm 34 mm-hmm. and i've never made the olympics once i mean you, you'll be a four-time <laughs> olympian by the time you're even at my age right now you, you're kicking ass i mean that <laughs> You must. Do you sort? Yeah, I know, right? Jesus, come on, think of the podcast host. But I mean, do do you kind of just sometimes have to reflect on that and think back to those early dreams of making an Olympics that that you've you've achieved it now? Even right now, if you you gave up the sport right now, you're you're always an Olympian, a two time Olympian. I mean, just the things that you can have achieved at such a young age and still can achieve moving forward. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. It's definitely very important to take those moments to really appreciate where you are, where you're at, because otherwise, you know, um, what's it all for, really? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I am very proud of what I've been able to do. And um, as much as um, oftentimes, I mean, athletes tend to have a mindset of go, go, go and continue pushing themselves and wanting more and things like this, but I think it's definitely key. Um, as anyone, any person in life to kind of take a moment and sit in the moment, sit in the here and now and be like, okay, cool. This is, this is where I'm at. And this is, I'm very, I'm very lucky and blessed to be here. And so, yeah. 
having a nice holiday in Italy too. Uh, just uh, kind of you can't can't. But where, yeah. whereabouts in whereabouts in Italy? And does it live up to stereotypes that you're just you know drinking oodles of wine and eating lots of pasta basically? It lives up to every stereotype. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. So I'm I'm close to the French border. In a, wow. A province called Liguria. Um, a beach town. So Be nice. Yeah. It's um. It's beautiful. I'm very lucky to be here. <laughs> Making a lot of people listening very, very jealous and kind of. Uh, oh, yeah, going I have no doubt. Are you allowed to leave the house? I'm... Can you go to the beach or are you locked down or, you know? No, you... no, no lockdown because it's summer. Um, I, um, yeah, no, we're allowed to move around, which is good. I think you just um, wear masks indoors is the kind of ruling at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, no, I'm very lucky that I'm able to, yeah, sit in the one spot for. Um, a moment and yeah take in my surroundings and yeah I'm very lucky here <laughs> perfect again I just it's it's a great lifestyle I'm, I'm I'm very jealous but before we sort of wrap it up Eleanor with a series of kind of just fun get to know your questions one, one thing I need to ask you about I believe your nickname is Floss now it is uh, yeah how, how did this come about uh, I, I'd like to know the story behind this uh, I had um, very floss like hair as a child, right. like it was, it was very, very blonde, very bleach blonde, and just a big afro, really. And so it looked like fairy floss. And so I was called fairy floss, and then it went naturally quite straight. And so I became floss. Easy, <laughs> so my, yeah. simple. Yeah. Didn't know if there was like the dance move going on that you were kind of prominent for. You know, <laughs> no, just... no. I would like to think that it was inspired by me, maybe. So yeah, well, of course, always. <laughs> of course, you yeah. know, that's yeah. that's how it works, definitely. Um, now, we close out every interview with a series of, as I said, fun get-to-know-you questions. Now, as always, these are based off a questionnaire that Team Canada gave their athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang. We always like to get an athlete from the Canadian website, uh, you know, same sport. Uh, fortunately, no high jumper was our quiz, but okay. the closest I've got is a javelin thrower. So we're going with uh, nice. Liz Gleedle. I think we've used Liz a few <laughs> times for our field athletes. So uh, we'll try this. And, and, again, there's always a drawing element. If you feel the need, you want to add some homework to the interview, you're welcome to add them. It's not compulsory, but uh, we can mm-hmm. share on the show. We've had a couple of bobsledders do it. So, you know, if you okay. want to represent the summer sports, uh, the first one here is draw a picture of yourself. So I don't know if you uh, how skilled you are at the artistic side of life. So you never mm. know if you feel that. If you feel the urge, Eleanor, feel free to send it okay. through. Uh, your favourite, and you're allowed to answer your own, your favourite ever Olympic moment is? Ooh. <laughs> That's a big one, especially because mm. there's just so much in my face, for, you know, the last Olympics. Uh, no, I can't go past Kathy Freeman's 400 metre. I I often go back onto YouTube and watch that, and every time it just gives me goosebumps and makes me want to cry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Kathy Freeman, phenomenal. Yeah. Which going back to what I was saying about yeah. the field events, that was that was Tatiana's night as well. So I mean, I remember mm. being glued to the TV watching Tatiana and Kathy on that same night. Like I can yeah, imagine what it meant like being in that stadium. That was yeah, an incredible night. Um, if you could choose any Olympic host city, where would it be? Oh, maybe 2032 at Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely keen for Australia. That'd be epic. Yes, um, yes. Great, great yeah. something to work towards, isn't it? When you kind of know you've got a home Olympics, right? Like it's yeah, you know, especially just, Queensland. You know, it's going to be hot and beautiful then, and just, yeah. Yep. And our good. first Winter Olympics, Australia's first ever Winter Olympics. Yeah, you know, we're going exactly. to keep advertising it that way. You know, yeah, so, uh, indeed. Push it forward. Uh, in your spare time, what do you most like to do? Hmm. I like to read a lot. Um, 
like to cook and things like this. So great. Yeah. Is, it, is it a read reading cookbook? To to kind no. of like- no, I'm not very good at following recipes. <laughs> get annoyed at being told what to do, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, on, on that note, what is the weirdest instruction a coach has ever given you? I think in athletics, sometimes you have to just do random exercises. Um, weirdest instruction. I think even just, um, you know, at the end of the season, Alex would tell you, just go have fun, something like this, <laughs> which is obviously for I mean, you might have two or three weeks off of a year. So every other day of the year, it's like very much, um, yeah, you know, comments that are more orientated to kind of um, athletic performance and things like this. And so to have, yeah, the opposite of go have fun. That, that works. <laughs> which is, yeah, which is Alex's yeah. methodology too. Is, is, um, well, it seems to work yeah. again, you know, yeah, just the results, the results speak for itself. Um, your favourite workout is? Oh, High jumping. <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope so. Because, well, yeah, I was going through my mind of like pre-season and like different circuits. It's like, no, that's not, that's not fun. And then I like, I like gym as well. I like lifting weights. But yeah, high jumping. It's always Perfect. fun. Jumping things. Jumping. Yeah, some kind of All, climatrics. <laughs> always jumping. Um, yeah. if, you could, if you could have lunch with any one person, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. You know, um, again, having spoken about athletics a little bit at the moment, I am thinking towards athletic people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Alison Felix. So she, yes. I don't know if you know her. Yeah. Yeah. I love Alison Felix. You know, just absolute queens like that that are just phenomenal women and athletes and just yeah uncompromisingly fun get her to bring the bling like yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, especially bring like make make her come in a met gala outfit that she was wearing last night yeah exactly um, she might get your free lunch out of that okay (laughs) i mean (laughs) yeah perks of it you know kind of i mean she'd have to pick up the bill come on really like oh I'd be happy to. It's all right. <laughs> she's amazing. <laughs> there you go. She's listening. I'm sure she's a big listener to the show. Um, <laughs> your favourite sandwich is? Oh. Oh. I don't eat sandwiches much, but I don't know. I'm in the mindset I can eat whatever I want now. So Yeah. <laughs> However, I don't eat. Like I can't eat gluten or dairy, so that kind of ruins it for me. <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Um, so. Might and I don't eat the work. Lot. Yeah, I don't <laughs> eat meat either. <laughs> wow. Okay. Something in um, peanut butter on, uh, I don't know, yeah, like peanut a, a butter. Cracker. You nailed it. No, <laughs> gluten free bread, but I do love gluten free bread. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Crunchy or smooth? Yeah. Crunchy. Crunchy. Good answer. <laughs> yep. That's that's what I like. Uh, now, the other drawing one here is uh, draw a picture of a Canadian animal. So, you know, it's always Ooh. a moose or a bear or something. This yeah. one here is an albino okay. bear in a snowstorm, so very clever. Okay. Um, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Ooh. To be able to, like, teleport. Mm. Click mm-hmm. my fingers and be somewhere else. Yeah. That would save this whole issue of trying to get home. <laughs> it would be but pretty also, yeah, convenient. You'd feel pretty fresh without flying everywhere. Yep. 
prepped and ready for a comp. Just click your fingers and you're there. <laughs> Don't you're there. I think the airline industry yeah. wouldn't like that superpower. I feel they would uh, no, probably be anti-teleportation. But um, yes, very maybe true. they can get involved in the teleportation machines and then they can, you know, work their way around yes. it basically. Make um, the money that way. The, the best candy in the world is? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Chocolate. Mm. That counts. <laughs> yeah, that counts. Do you have a particular type? A... You... No. Don't know. Any chocolate pretty good. Any lie. chocolate? Okay, that yeah. works. Yeah. Um, as a kid, who was your favourite sports team? Ooh. Um, as I said, I loved netball, so Vixens, nice. <laughs> <Melbourne> Vixens. <laughs> nice. Which is always I love yeah. the question how it's as a kid. Like I feel that generally, as a child, you grow up still supporting that team, right? For the most part. Yes. So yeah, it's kind true. Of, yeah. Yeah, you do. It depends. I mean, I'm yeah. a Carlton supporter and I've still stuck with them. So, you know, we'll get there one oh, day. Don't one. worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, your favourite sports movie is? Ooh. Mm. Oh, there's so many. There's so many. I love Eddie mm. the Eagle. Yeah, great movie. Um, I think that's good. Getting that answered a lot, which I love recently because I kind of, I I didn't know sort of how popular that movie was because I remember when it was released, it kind of went into obscurity pretty quickly, but it's obviously very popular amongst the athletes. So, yeah. yeah. It's just so wholesome. He just loves it and just tries. There's nothing more that you can do. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's a a great film. Um, If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um. Maybe Italy. <laughs> Italy. Well, yeah, I mean, convenient right now. Yeah. <laughs> Might start looking at some houses potentially. Yeah, uh, why, exactly. Why are yeah. you there? Um, I love this question. When, when you were little, what was one thing you always thought? Oh, very open question. Thought about mm. anything. Yeah. Well, I always thought I'd go to the Olympics. <laughs> hey, um, it worked out for you. Pretty well. It did, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of what I always thought. I'll take that. That works. That's yeah, inspirational. That works. Come on now. I always Kids thought the mermaid, mermaids were real. So yeah. That's that's <laughs> Again, works too. Strange, strange bully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have those ones, I think, at one point. Uh, and now the last one. Again, this might put you on the spot. I don't know if you've always got a go-to one here, Eleanor, or not, but your favourite joke to tell is... Oh. <laughs> no, I don't have one. Don't have one? Put... Mm. No, I don't have no, any good ones. No. I like, I like <laughs> Liz's I answer on here is uh, inappropriate yes, one-liners at the dinner table. Uh, she doesn't give any examples, but that's her answer. So True, um, fair. There you go. Fair. All right. Um, Eleanor, before we let you go, if people want to kind of stay up to date with, with your journey, kind of what you're up to, uh, mm. social media, website, anything that people can sort of follow you on? Yeah, I only tend to use Instagram. I don't use any other. Well, I have them, but they're private. Um, or I don't use Twitter. But, um, yeah, I use Insta- Instagram and it's just at Eleanor Patterson, I think. <laughs> you will. I'm sure people can Google it and find it and uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll get there uh, They'll get there eventually. And we'll, we'll, we'll tag it on our post on our Instagram page oh, there too so people can uh, – Obviously, check it out. But Eleanor, it's been it's been a lot of fun, sort of talking about your your journey and everything involved with the sport of high jump. And uh, we're we're looking forward to the next three Olympics when uh, you're yeah. going to have three gold medals wrapped around yes. your neck right now. Indeed. There you go. Yep. Prepare <laughs> the neck, thank you, Eleanor. Basically. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
And a massive, massive thanks to Eleanor there. As I said, a lot of fun, learning a lot there. And it's a, it's a sport that I enjoy. I do love the field events in the athletics. And high jump is just such a unique sport. As I said during that interview, I always often wonder what makes athletes go through such rigors and uh, interesting techniques. But uh, obviously paying off very, very well there for Eleanor. And we're going to look forward to seeing her at the next three Olympics, moving all the way up until Brisbane 2032. In the meantime, if you've missed out on any of our past interviews or want to stay up to date with who we've got coming up on the show, easiest way to do that, of course, is hit that subscribe button on all good podcast platforms. Simply search for Off the Podium. And while you're there, leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Give us a rating as well. Helps us out there. Get the episodes spread out there further so more people like you can enjoy the show right across the world. And while you're online, jump on social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Search for Off the Podium and follow us, like us, stay up to date, send us a message. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. Give us a give us a tip for a guest or an episode. We'd love to find out what you're thinking out there and uh, keep you up to date with everything that we're posting on there as well. Once again, big thanks to Eleanor. Thanks to everyone for listening. My name is Ben. This is Off the Podium. And as always, go left. Turning Japanese up, they come turning Japanese up, but I think so.